Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined, as always, by Bazooka, Joe Valfellini. Joe, you're going to Vegas soon. Yeah, I actually uh, checked in with uh, Mr. Ruby, Malcolm's manager. We're leaving Wednesday. So, depending on when this airs, it would be the 18th of November we're gone. So, 10 days before, Malcolm's already been out there since uh, the beginning of the week. He's already got in his meals prepared from the Performance Institute. His supplements already done. He's had his uh, VO2 max tested, his body fat composition. And crazy, he just messaged me. He's 6% body fat right now. Well, 6%. I'm 4%, I'm 4% right now. So You're I mean, he's, 4 He's, okay. he's got he's yeah, to yeah. keep up with me. I'm like, 6%? I, I was shocked to hear that. And he, and he also just messaged me. He's pretty excited. He's like, I'm hanging out. I'm, what did he do? say i'm sitting right beside francis nagano right now oh, so wow. you have the biggest of the division of, of the ufc roster next to the flyweight so i'm sure francis nagano must look like a giant next to malcolm yeah probably how tall is malcolm's kind of tall though for 25 though isn't he i don't know i want to say five eight or five nine okay. maybe a little i think i don't know five eight i want to say that's my height so five, very eight. tall very tall very yeah, yeah. extremely tall <laughs> you what, yeah, what are yeah. you five ten uh, I'm, if I want to look that, if, if the little puff of my hair counts, I'd be, and I'm wearing shoes, I'd say I'm six feet. If okay. I'm really if barefoot, doctored would probably say five eleven and a half. Okay. So you're five eleven and a quarter. Yeah. Six. All right. Cool. Yeah. Just well, yeah, Malcolm's, I guess, on the taller side for the flyweights because the flyweights usually aren't five eight, five nine, right? That's, that's probably the average size of like a uh, bantamweight or featherweight is around five nine. Yeah, he's nice and tall. He's lean. But his opponent is going to be, I think, an inch taller than Malcolm, too. Mm, I think he's actually 5'9", and I think Malcolm's uh, 5'8". Let's hope that his opponent doesn't have any sort of weight-cutting complications uh, like last time around. I know, and his opponent, too, was uh, fighting at 135 as well. So we're going to see. But I'll tell you right now, when you look at Malcolm from that first fight with no training to now, it's night day difference like his legs grew his back we improved his mobility his posture like his strength difference ridiculous the way he's grappling and wrestling right now it's he's he's this is the malcolm that should have been his first fight but we got our foot in the door and now is our time to show uh our real true talent so he's taking this fight as do or die and we're honestly really motivated for it yeah nice to see him have been nice to see him do it with a full camp but the uh, the opposite of a full camp is taking a fight on what a week a week notice like Paul Felder. Yeah. Pretty unbelievable yep. uh that Felder. Well, you know, I spoke to Paul, uh the TSN MMA show interview editions out, and um I had mentioned to Paul I kinda congratulated him. I said, Congratulations on not only just taking this fight, but on risking your ranking so willingly. You know, all these people are afraid to fight fighters that are ranked below them, but not only is he fighting someone ranked below him, he's fighting somebody ranked below him, he's he's taking it at 55, even though it's short notice, and he's a big 55-er, he's taking it five rounds, so, I mean, you gotta give Paul all the credit in the world for taking this fight under all of those terms. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised though, isn't Paul Felder retired? That was what confused me. Well, Paul, after his last fight, said he was thinking about retiring, he never really fully committed to it, obviously he's still in the pool. Um, so I guess he, you know, I, and when I asked him, I asked him this question because I said, does it help that it's under these circumstances, but you don't have to overthink it. You, you've accepted the fight. You're in it now. It's fight week. <laughs> like, you know, you don't, you yeah, don't have to be yeah. like, ah, should I take it? Should I? 
I think that that actually helps his his mindset going into this because he doesn't have time to think about whether uh, should I have taken this? You know, was this is this the right time? Is this the right fight? Because now you're just in it. Like you're you're doing interviews, you're yeah. cutting your weight, you're you're doing um what you you know your your last little bit of training, uh, which is kind of his first little bit of training because apparently he's just been doing triathlon training this whole time. Yeah, I mean, if you're the person like he was training and everything's good and your weight is fine sometimes these last minute fights if you have that martial arts mindset to be able to do that and be like you know you don't have that one of the most challenging times of anyone's camp is knowing eight weeks you have to fight someone then it's seven weeks then it's six weeks then it's five weeks so at eight weeks you're like oh, i got tons of times and then as the weeks go down the anxiety and the stress go up so when you don't have time to think about you know Oh, am I going to get hurt? Who's going to watch? Like you take away all of those nervous variables. Sometimes you fight better. And most fighters too, in that eight week camp, they're slowly depleting their weight. They're slowly getting tired, mixed with the stress. Their conditioning is usually better at the beginning of camp than it is at the end of camp because you're so drained. So if Paul Felder's there and he's on weight without that stress could really bring a good fight, but kudos to RDA, man, that guy will fight anyone, anywhere, anytime. Like, I mean, I think RDA is such a old school fighter that I, I love it. I like that he doesn't care and he's never been that fighter to to care who he fights. And it's a fun fight too. I mean, I think that uh, you know Dos Anjos is about a two to one favorite, and I think that's probably about right because Felder I don't think is going to threaten much with a takedown, and that's what's been Dos Anjos's kryptonite. Uh, that being said, we haven't seen Dos Anjos fight at one fifty five for some time. Yeah, and, and against a scrapper like Felder, that'll sit there, Felder is one of those guys where even if he has a bad night, he's still going to bring the fight. Like, he fights. Like, Felder is a guy that, like, he doesn't play the game. He's not here to win on points. And Felder sits in the pocket. He fights. He attacks. So whether Felder's fighting for a world title or he's fighting, you know, someone out of the top ten like he is now, he brings the fight. And you you bring action. You bring excitement. He brings power. So I think it's uh, regardless, it makes for a fun fight because both of these guys fight mentality is always, you know, top notch. You know, I was kind of that's where I can say I was kind of critical of uh, Bellator uh, when they came back. They, they weren't having a lot of fights that excited me. But I will say that the, the last couple of weeks, I mean, the Manhoff and Anderson fight was not really competitive. But I think tonight's card is really exciting. There's a lot of really fun fights. You got Pico fighting on the card in the other uh, in the prelims. Uh, Logan Storley versus Amosov and the uh, the co-main events are really fun one and Patricio Pitbull against Carvalho, Daniel Weichel against Emmanuel Sanchez, both uh, featherweight tournament fights. Like there, there's just a lot to like about this uh, this card tonight in Bellator. So kudos to them. I think they're starting to put on a lot more exciting fight cards that I'm uh, I'm starting to look more forward to. Yeah, and I think um, even next week is it. Uh... Next week they have an event as well, I believe. I think they have one every week now again. They're starting to get yeah. on a schedule where they're having having something every week. Yeah, I, I saw that uh, one of my friends is fighting, I believe, in a week from now, Gaston Bolaños. Yes. He'll, he'll be back, and I'm pretty sure it's next week. So he's been out for a little while. I know he was uh, really hot, and I think he lost his last one. But uh, hopefully he gets a good fight because um, while we're on the topic there, I mean, we talked about contender fights, but – I, it was sad to see my uh, my friend there, Stephanie Frosto, get finished the way she did early, um, and she's in the same uh, same team as Gaston. They've been training together for years, but uh, yeah, I'm just a little disappointed about that. Yeah, I was uh, I was rooting for her because uh, I knew that you uh, you and her were uh, were friends. She was a big underdog in that fight, and it seems like her yeah. opponent has a really bright future. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just sad to see because she's such a. She was doing okay. She was staying patient. She was technical on her feet, known for her striking. But uh, yeah, I mean, that girl was just good, patient, aggressive, and just attacked at the right moment. Yeah, she was and good before that, that girl. Yeah, I mean, it was great. But the the finishing ability, and I'm gonna uh, you know follow into something else. But the way she reminded me she fought was like Alex Pereira. Very calm, very patient, relaxed. But when the moment is there, there's that explosion. And then, you know, talking about Pereira, we have Alex Pereira in like 12 days fighting for LFA, yeah. which is insane. They didn't give us a chance to like get excited about it. All of a sudden, hey, boom, next week, here you go. <laughs> so I was like, all right. I mean, that was just uh, random for us. But I think uh, I think he's going to do some good, dangerous stuff. I mean, I'm just worried about his opponents in the climbing. Or he's... I, I don't know who would take that fight with him. I mean, yeah, I think yeah, the guy he's fighting. Although, I mean, if you beat him, even four. though if you beat him in MMA, if you can take him down and uh, and hold him there or something, you're still going to get, you know, a lot of uh, kudos from the uh, the MMA community. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I think it'll be exciting to to. He's fought MMA before, in my understanding. I mean, those Brazilians will fight any rule, any time. You know, a lot of times they don't care, but I think he's also a fighter that is not worried about a small glove. He'll fight bare knuckle, big glove, small glove. So I think uh, we'll see, hopefully. I mean, the ideal um, situation is he wins his two LFA fights. He gets signed to the UFC. Then the UFC builds that whole matchup with Izzy, I guess, is in his mind. Because I know Pereira, for a guy who beat Israel Adesanya, and you look at Israel Adesanya's paydays compared to what Pereira's making, you know, like that's got to be, that's got to hurt. I'm yeah. not, there's no if ands or buts. That that's gotta hurt. You being the guy that can beat the you know the Israel Adesanya and you have a chance and you see Izzy pulling in you know multi millions riding uh, McLarens. It's it's <laughs> it's probably tough for Pereira. Yeah, that's that why said, he's though, always posting about it. Israel in MMA when he joined the UFC was like 16 or 17 and 0. Like it, it's not like he didn't work his way to where he was, right? But I, I see what you're saying. Like obviously this guy needs to start. Uh, he needs to show what he can do in MMA, and if, if he's able to get these some spectacular finishes, he'll be in the UFC in no time, and that's a, a fight that will, I think would really sell. And, I mean, you look at Giga Chikadze this past weekend, it seems like a lot of these fighters that are coming yeah. from the kickboxing world are starting to make some noise. Yeah, it's about time. I mean, it's about time we see some of that good striking. And I think from Giga, we finally saw, you know, the Giga that I kind of expected from a long time ago. But I just think Giga, he's always taking these last-minute fights. He. And, I mean, I was just nervous. Like, the wrestler's always going to give him a little bit of problems. His gas tank doesn't seem to be, you know, sharp all the time because he puts all that spectacular offense. But, man, the, the left kick to the liver is kick he's known for, kick to the head, change levels, you know, bread and butter kickboxing. It doesn't get more bread and butter than that. Kick the leg, kick the body, finish to the head. That's but, uh, That was too, too nice. I will say that uh... – Alex Pereira does train in the best gym in the country at the uh, the garage of Glover Teixeira. So I mean, the, yeah. So you gotta you gotta you gotta give give him that. I mean, look at what Glover Teixeira did this past weekend with Poeton in his corner. Poeton's a yeah, dude. but you know what I don't Poeton know. Means? That's the Alex Pereira uh, nickname. Yeah, it's uh, the Poeton is like the native like the natives of his region of Brazil, like the Aboriginal people of Brazil. Okay. Um, it's his tribe is like a Poeton. So that's why when he fights in kickboxing, he comes out in like uh, native Aboriginal costume and does like a scream. So it's like paying tribute to that. Okay, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Poetan. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's good. I thought it was that bike that I, has the instructional video. That, isn't that what it's called? The Peloton. The Peloton. Oh, okay. the Peloton. So my, 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 my that's mistake. pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's, it works. Yeah, maybe got sponsored by the bike company, the stationary bikes. That would be good. He's like, this is Peloton, and uh, I, I use the Peloton. Probably, yeah. probably not. No, I don't mean <laughs> no. to disrespect uh, the, the Poeton people. I don't know much about the Aboriginal Poeton people. So yeah. much respect to Alex Pereira. I think that uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him at LFA. And I mean, if Glover Teixeira's performance this past weekend was any indication, that camp is doing some good things because Glover Teixeira looked absolutely phenomenal against Thiago Santos. But he took some hammers in that fight. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I don't know if the, the training with Poeton helped at all. Yeah. He got rocked pretty well, bad on the maybe, feet. Maybe, he's, maybe he was trained with, maybe Poeton was hitting him with his best shots, hitting him with no, the mahetas, the maheta, the hammers. Yeah. I don't know, but he took, I was concerned. I mean, that, but that's like, it's kind of what you expect with, with Glover now. Like, he takes a beating, he doesn't go down, he's going to grab you, take you down, and that top position that he shows is un unreal. You just can't get out like, of that it. pressure on top, like, you can't get out of that. Like, yeah. he, he drives his shoulder right on your chest, like, he pins you down and just beats you up with just solid, heavy, short shots. Like, I don't know. Uh, I think it's... I think the way he performs, like, I mean, I think he's, he's probably my top in the division now. Like no offense to Jan, poor Jan gets all thrown under Jan's the bus on the time. from us every week. We're just giving uh, every week. shot after shot at, at poor Jan Boahovic. The guy earned the title, beats Dominic Reyes, yeah. who everybody thought was head and shoulders the best guy in the division, and beats him easily. And we're still taking yeah. shots at poor Jan Boahovic. Yeah. What do you think, though? What do you think a nice matchup uh, with Glover and Jan? Well, I don't know. I mean, it seems like Israel versus Jan is is the fight that they're going to make next, but. Uh, who knows? I mean, that, that fight doesn't seem like it's going to happen until March at the earliest. That's when Jan wants to come back. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Dana White said he he's listening to what Glover says. He knows Glover says I'm. <laughs> Glover's argument is pretty good. It's come on, Dana. I'm 41. Don't make me yeah. wait. <laughs> it's like well, fair enough. I mean, he certainly earned uh, the right to uh, fight for the title, and you know he isn't getting any younger. I I think that I think that he would beat Jan Blahovich, but Jan Blahovich has looked really good. So I I I, I wouldn't want to write. Jan Blahovic off. I would love to know what the odds for that fight would be. Who do you, do you think that Teixeira yeah. would be the favorite? Or do you think that's recency I bias? I think so. Uh, I think the recency bias probably plays into him being the favorite. You know, I just think, uh, I don't know. I just, that top pressure. But again, Jan's got that power shot. Like, who knows if Glover can take those the power shots of Wachovic. So, I don't know. Obviously, there's a chance, well, I mean, but if you can take the, I just if think If you can take Glover's... the power shots of Thiago Santos, I think you can take the power shots of Wachovic. Because Santos yeah. is one of these but what guys do you think? that has crazy power. But do you think Santos wasn't fully recovered before taking this fight? Like, no, you got to think. think. I think like, Santos was the fine. Surgery We've seen had. this happen to Santos before. Santos has been caught in these situations where he hits somebody with a good shot. They are somehow able to survive. We saw Eric Spicely do it to Thiago Santos. He hit Spicely with a big shot. Spicely's ever able to survive, gets his back, and taps him out. We've seen Santos in these positions before. I was not surprised by what happened to Thiago Santos. The surprising thing to me was that Glover didn't go out from those shots, but you knew that once yeah. he had weathered that storm, that Thiago Santos was in big trouble. And then Thiago even hit him with that big shot in the third, and, yeah, and Glover yeah. was able to withstand it, take him down again, and finish him. I mean, but that's how Thiago Santos fights. He lives by the sword and dies by the sword. Yeah, and like even on his back, when when Glover's on top of him, I don't see enough urgency to get off his back. I don't know if he wastes so much energy or or what, but there wasn't an urgency to get up. It's almost just lay time. there. And because if if you if you yeah. get out of that position, if you give your back to Glover, it's lights out. It's over. 
So, I mean, you got to yeah, be but I mean, at bottom with him. You sit there, take a beating, or, like, try – you got to try something, you know? You either sit there and take I a mean, try to hip escape, out. shrimp. I mean, you don't have to, like, turn around, but there's hip escaping, there's shrimping, there's kind of creating frames. And, yes, the pressure of Glover is good, but first, second round, you should have a little bit of a bump off, a little bit of a, a shrimp, a little bit of a hip escape or something. This is the difference. So not just division. laying there. This is why Glover's so good. And, like, when you get top position in, in the light heavyweight or heavyweight division, like, it's tough for people to escape because they're not used to it. You're not used to playing ground yeah. game in, in these divisions. That's why Glover's so good. And that's why you see other fighters uh, that have those kind of skills, like a Chris Weidman, why they have such success in these in these divisions. I mean, Weidman's more of a middleweight. His career is mostly at middleweight, but in any of the bigger divisions, really. Like, a lot of these guys don't have fantastic ground skills. Um, that's yeah. why I said that. I was surprised that Antonio Carlos Jr., who won the Ultimate Fighter at heavyweight, and I always talk about this, why would you leave heavyweight when you have such a huge grappling advantage over everybody to move down to middleweight where you lose that advantage i i like even if he stayed even if he went to light heavyweight i think he would be head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of the grappling um but you're he, like he's just kind of a slow middleweight now instead of a really fast heavyweight I, and i think personally you're better off fighting in the heavier weight classes if your game is more conducive to that and i think that's why rumble johnson on the flip side moved up rumble johnson's grappling game was not fantastic but his power was so good and uh, he was kind of a slower welterweight, moves up to light heavyweight. He's now a fast light heavyweight with, with amazing hands. He's actually coming back early next year. We saw him finish Glover Teixeira in, in seconds, right? Like, yeah. he might end up being the, the best light heavyweight in the world when, all set, when the dust settles, if he can come back to form. Yeah, I mean, strong grapplers in the heavier divisions have always been successful. I mean, you can count DC as a strong uh, for grappler, sure. right? Obviously, with his success. Jacare at one point, you know, that's still middleweight, but yeah. uh, he was at 205, I believe, at some point yeah, too, he had wasn't that he? Horrible fight with Jan Blahovic when he moved up to 205, yeah. and now he's going back to 185, which is the right spot for him. He was he was just too blown up for uh, to fight at light heavyweight, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Damian Maya middleweight, but uh, well, he's a welterweight, yeah, even now. welterweight, right? Yeah, welterweight yeah. now, so yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah, good point. So that should be the focus on these bigger boys: get on the match grappling. Yeah, for sure. That's and that's it. why I was surprised Tanner, Tanner Bozer didn't try to take the fight down against uh, Andre Arlovsky. I thought, I thought Tanner Bozer just looked flat over the weekend. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened. I'd love to talk to him. That's what I wanted to point. Wrong. But uh, Andre Arlovsky looked great. But Andre Arlovsky has become kind of a low-risk point fighter at, at heavyweight, and I think that that suits him quite well. Yeah, I mean, everyone – it is what it was. It wasn't an exciting fight, and I think the word everyone's calling it, it is what it is, was boring. But, uh, I mean, you got the risks. I mean, I understand. Was it Bozer giving a little too much respect? Is it Bozer, you know, getting hit with those big moments and laying off? Was it him respecting, you know, an Arlowski too much? But I thought my prediction was an early Bozer finish. Mm -hmm. I thought he was able to use his speed in and out advantage. I don't necessarily think that Arlovsky has a chin, but shows that he kind of does. Fast. Arlovsky, you know? one of Arlovsky's best assets has always been his speed and his fight IQ. And uh, yeah. unfortunately, his chin is just not, you know, it's not great for somebody who's fighting some of these big heavy hitters, but Bozer's never really been a heavy hitter. He's been more of a precision yeah. guy, and that's why his yeah. precision is what won him those last two fights. And Arlovsky's also a precision guy, right? So this is one of those ones where we, maybe we should have seen it coming. Yeah. I mean, Bozer was going after the legs, which I think was probably the best strategy, knowing that Arlovsky is more of a puncher. Bozer was more, okay, let's hit him, move, and attack the leg. I'm still a big believer in judges. Don't 
look at leg kicks as scoring as much as they do. So some people I've heard say Bozer won that fight yeah. based on him being a little bit more active, him chopping the legs away. You saw a little bit of physical damage in the way Arlovsky was moving. You know, so I mean, I still believe you got to – like if, if you're hitting the leg, even though you take a jab and it's nothing, but if you take a, a, a calf kick and you start limping, like – that, that's a damaging score. Like, I mean, they got to start valuing. We had this biggest issue in kickboxing for years, and it's still a big issue, is arm kicks. Do arm kicks score? Well, it, it depends. Like, if you're kicking constantly and it's stopping someone's output and you're seeing welts on the arm and they're not being able to punch as much, yeah, that's a scoring blow kicking to the arm. But how do you block a body kick with the forearms that, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to, to score that. We When it's always a Dutch versus a Thai fighter, we always have that issue. But I think kick scoring in MMA definitely needs to be picked up on. And I don't think a single takedown should be worth as much. So those have always been my two complaints. And did you see that? And based on the scoring criteria, they shouldn't be. Like, the light kicks should be scored more because it's damage versus control. And damage is of more important than control when it comes to the scoring criteria. Did you see the scorecards for that particular fight, how they were scored? No, no, I haven't. So, seen, I didn't so see it. The three there was twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty nine, twenty eight, nine, uh, eight, and twenty nine, twenty eight for Arlovsky. But one judge gave Bozier the first round. One judge gave Bozier the second round, and one judge gave Bozier the third round. <laughs> so all three judges gave him a different round. Yeah. I guess that's how close of a fight it was. I, I wouldn't have had a problem if they gave Bozier that fight. I thought, like you said, I thought he attacked the legs. I thought he he outstruck Arlovsky. I thought his speed was there. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I just think that they didn't give him enough credit for those leg kicks because you saw how purple Arlovsky's leg was after that fight. Yeah. I just think what you need is a heavyweight. Yes, it's good to pick shots. Yes, it's good to move. You got you got to be able to – you got to have some damaging power at heavyweight. And I think this is where maybe if Bozer starts getting to the higher levels uh, of the, the division, it might he might realize that and maybe he'll notice that you know, maybe he needs to be a little bit bigger, or a little bit heavier, work on that power. Because I think as a heavyweight, like, you need power. I mean, you, you need you need to have that as part of your arsenal. Like, you can outpoint, touch someone. Look, look at Derek Lewis. Like, one shot, he hits you, even in the fifth round, you're done. You know, so, I mean, a little bit of power training for Bozer, I think, will, could go a long way. And Or having more versatility in his striking, not always relying on a big overhand or a low kick. Being able to set things up a little bit better more creativity you know more options could be better for him on the feet but i mean i still like his style i still think he's great i think he's technical for a heavyweight i just think he's mixed in that little bit of game-changing power that could be a big difference and suddenly that camp is out a pretty bad month you had kb bowler getting knocked out uh you had uh mm-hmm. lost and then yesterday spencer jeb uh, on the regional scene in xfc lost uh, his fight he got knocked out by former ufc fighter bobby nash so that camp uh, has had a bit of a rough month and hopefully they can turn it around because i think that there's a lot of really good talent at that camp in edmonton yeah, and even uh, XFC last night, there's a up-and-coming Canadian. I thought we would have saw him on the Contender Series. We might see him soon. Scott Hudson won on that event yeah, as well. Handsome Scott. Good for him. Handsome he's, Scott. He's, he's not a young guy. He's like 32, 33 now. So hopefully if he does yeah. get that opportunity, it is soon. And uh, another Canadian won as well. I'm trying to uh, – another guy from Hamilton whose name is eluding me for whatever reason won, uh, won hmm. his fight. Uh, Ryan um, – he beat, he beat uh, Michael Hill. Ryan Dixon. Ryan Dixon from... Uh, oh, Ryan Dixon. Yeah, Ryan yeah, Dixon yeah, yeah. got a win, too, on that card. So he advanced in the welterweight tournament, and uh, and so did um, 
the guy who you just mentioned whose name is suddenly escaping yeah, my Yeah, Scott Hudson. Scott Hudson. Scott Hudson. Yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. Saw... actually Malcolm was Malcolm was working with Ryan Dickinson for a bit. Yeah. Um yeah. I think he's at Toronto Top Team. They they do some grappling there and in the early like a I think about a month and a half ago, uh, Malcolm was getting some work with him. Apparently his cage control, his wrestling is pretty good. Yeah. And uh, he he trains uh, at Joslin MMA. He trains uh, I think at Parabellum, and uh, he trains uh, at Toronto Top Team. So he's uh, yeah he's he's been doing a lot of work there. So good on him. Yeah, and I think he was an old school guy too, wasn't he? Part of the old uh, Score Fighting series too. Yeah, I he's, think he's been Score Fighting series too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the old school. Yeah, those are those are the uh, the Canadian OGs. We didn't see too yeah, many that... fighters from the Score Fighting series move up. I mean, Elias did. Elias. Ended up getting to the yeah. UFC, but they weren't. Ali, Alex Ricci, Alex Ricci Jesse yeah. Ronson, mm-hmm. Antonio Carvalho did one fight on yeah, there as well. I was at that. Um, yeah, so was I. Yeah. yeah, that was his last one, right? Before we knew each other. But even OG, I mean, I wouldn't even call Score Fighting the OG series. Like before that, yeah, you got to think. Though. On, yeah, but I mean, if you're talking about uh, okay, we're talking Quebec then. Yeah. I was saying uh, UCC. Mm-hmm. Um, UCC was the original IFC. There oh, was yeah, IFC that. and UCC were the two first ones in Canada, but they were Montreal. Yeah. Right. So, but those were the two first original ones were IFC and UCC. So we saw a guy. And then I think I'm sorry to cut you yeah. off. That was pretty. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's pretty nasty. I mean, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. What's the worst thing you've I seen? I mean, once like, what, what's the worst thing you've seen in either a kickboxing or MMA fight when you've been in the building? In the building, I mean, I've seen. To me, I'm more scared of like um, a head kick lands and they fall like right by the commentary booth, and they just literally smack, and then they literally eyes roll, and you just happen to be right there because a cut is a cut. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm fine with big nasty cuts, but when I see someone laid out and ball and and have a concussion when it's one of your friends that you know and it's just like it just that hurts more than anything yeah. that's the hardest for me well i asked paul felder about that because he w- he was doing commentary for the uh gerald mearshart fight the mearshart's his training uh, partner the mearshart versus shamaya fight and he just said like he said that calling fights for he he hates calling fights for people he trains with and he says he knows that he can't like you know recuse himself from calling them he can't be like no i'm not, I'm not calling this because it's my friend but he says it's hard for yeah. him to continue not knowing how that person's doing afterwards like he didn't know how gerald was doing and he didn't know you know he, he eventually saw that gerald had tweeted kind of a joke about himself afterwards and he said you know that's that's gerald and thanks that's kind of when i knew what had happened but uh, even talking to gerald after that fight he said gerald gerald said that when he came to when he remember like started remembering what had happened he was fully dressed in the back. He had no idea how he got clothes on. Like it, that's when that's when his like he was back. Mind came back. Yeah, his mind came back. He said like he, yeah. from from when he took the punch all the way until he was in the back fully clothed. He just like has no idea what happened from that time in between. Yeah. Well, I've I've been to Paul Felder a couple of times in the past. I had to do it with one Rob Thomas, uh, which was pretty tough. And but the, the the hardest of all time would have been I had to call I think it was Glory Thirty Four Denver I called my business partner my main training partner from when I started Troy Sheridan I had to call his Glory fight against Justin uh, 
potent and i was just like oh my god like it was it, the hardest thing they were trying to get me like i was quiet at some points i didn't know when to talk and then there's some natural abilities like when tr they'd circle around the commentary booth I would just naturally want to say things to Troy. So, like, right. part of my commentary is like, well, I think Troy needs to throw more low kicks. Like, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, hoping probably Troy hears me a little bit, mixed on being on broadcast. And, like, it was just literally the hardest things. Even two fights before, I'm starting to look at the card and like, oh, my God, two fights up. What's he doing in the back? Is he warm? I'm like, Troy has – I've never missed Troy's fight. Like, I, he's been in – he was in watch all of my fights from every glory. He's in my corner, every amateur fight. Most of them he was in my corner. So that not be there for each other and me being there for years is, Oh, it's, it's, it's not fun. It is not fun next at all. It's terrible. That, uh, next time I'll have to know that I'll, I'll, I'll take your role during that card. I'll just, I'll do That's the it. If you can, you can be with, Troy I said, come on. Fight. I was like, you can't put one person in for one. I wanted to do what Felder did last time. Like take off the suit jacket yeah. and just jump into the corner. Like yeah. they, uh, I thought that would be good TV, but uh, the big shots of glory were like, nope, they kept me in the booth. So That's I didn't hard, get the, they don't have a second do both. commentator. Like, you're the guy. Yeah, but I mean, they could always, for that fight, bring in one of the local fighters. Like, we brought on uh, three, bro we've done broadcasts with uh, Tiffany Van Suth, Rico Verhoeven. I've done it with Alistair Overeem, Chris Camozzi. Like, I've called, we brought them into the booth, so, and it was in Denver, so you could have put Kamozi, you could have put Dustin Jacoby in for one fight, and those guys are good, so they could have done a quick call, and then I would have jumped back in. Well, you're, I would have, I would have allowed you to do it, like, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And then they well, could have had you mic'd up in the corner and been like, go to you in between that's rounds. That's what, what we said. You, what did you say, Joe, what did you say to Troy? So that's, you make compelling television there. That's what I would think. Well, that would have been my prediction, well, but uh, no. I, I got an email today from Glory. The, uh, the pay-per-view is now uh, available to buy for the, uh, the December pay-per-view. Yeah, we're working on it December 19th still. There's been a whole bunch of problems happening in uh, Europe with lockdowns in Holland and in Germany. And it's just bad everywhere right now. I mean, Toronto being forced to stay in our red zone for another 28 days doesn't help me at the gym here. It's creating more problems. Well, it might get worse, uh, Joe. <laughs> might I'm to, hoping not. We might go into full lockdown. They're, they're, I haven't checked today. The projections, Did the numbers go up again? Oh, went up again. They're projecting 2,000 a day by December. So we'll see. That's the modeling. Yeah. Who knows? But, uh, well, you know, it surprised me because um, I, uh, I don't go out much. Like, I stay at home with my family. And I happened to be out on, on Sunday. And the roads were full of people. And I'm thinking, like... I know I'm one of those people, so I don't want to be a hypocrite, but I'm thinking it's Sunday and everybody's out. It's like as if yeah, nothing's happening. It's a happened. nice it's the Highest numbers we've ever had. Now, I'm not talking about outside, like driving. Everyone's on the road. Yeah. Outside, I'm fine with because, like, you're, you're supposed to go outside. You're supposed to get exercise. But, like, the, the highway was full and, like, there was traffic. I'm thinking it's like a Sunday afternoon at 2 in the afternoon. Like, there's just Where's no everybody going? so many people should be out. Like, where are you? Yeah, where are you going? Like, yeah, at are, least you, are you six unfamiliar feet apart. with what's going on right now? Yeah, I uh, I was reading a few articles. I think what they're calling it is uh, COVID fatigue. People are just over it. I know I am. I'm I'm over it. Like I'm just there's a lot of things like I'm not okay with still personally. Like how you can allow all these kids to go to school and then still go home to their parents and still pass it on, but you can't let more than ten people into a gym. Uh, I mean, so if it if it's if it it's okay for the government, okay, everyone go protest, but don't go 
over here. Like you can't pick and choose where you're allowed groups of people and where you're not allowed to groups of people. And everyone who comes to my gym would be okay with it. So allow me to run up to, I'm not asking to pack it out, but I'm following guidelines. Everyone's six feet apart. The building has this like, don't tell me my big buildings only allow 10 people. And then the small building, there's not enough clarity between things. And it's just, it's too frustrating. There's not enough information for business owners, especially for gym owners. It's like, it's too much. Well, they tried it, to, it's someone, too much. They were asking journalists what they knew about, you know, the, the actual restrictions. And so few of them actually had a, any idea of what exactly the restrictions are because it's so, uh, like, just the messaging is so poor. But whatever, let's, let's not, let's get off of this particular topic. Oh, because it's very I was going to read one thing. It was so funny that they said in the government, oh, follow these for gyms. There are no fitness classes. And then the next line that says something like, well, when you're doing your classes, it's like you just said there's no classes and then there is classes you're allowed and then you're allowed teams but no games. It's like it is so confusing and they're trying to make it easier but they're not. And all you're doing is scaring the public away more from gyms than anything. And I don't know. I'm not agreeing with it. But well, it's just it's confusing. It I mean there. people should uh... – they should have clearer messaging for sure. But uh, again, this is a very local story. We're on a fight podcast. This is a global MMA yes. podcast, Joe. We're not in Toronto land. We got to we got to go back into the into the world of. Uh, well, they should know our pain. They're suffering the same things. I know even here, Leon Edwards. Listening to him on Air, with Ariel Hawani, he's like they can't even train. They're they're like England's in a lockdown. So I mean, it's affecting the whole world. Like I, it's it's brutal right now, and I. Think of those guys who have to train and compete at the highest levels, especially the title guys. I mean, how do you get a full proper camp uh, with all these restrictions? It's tough. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think everybody's kind of dealing with that, uh, undoubtedly. Uh, Kevin Holland getting mm-hmm. a big opportunity. He's going to be in the main event against Jack Hermanson coming up. That's uh, finally giving him a, a really high-level opponent. You know, I, I, I think the interesting thing about Kevin Holland is it seems like he, he tends to fight his competition. So if he's fighting somebody really high-level, he fights better. And if he's fighting somebody who's expected to beat, he doesn't fight well. So I think this is an opportunity for him to show what kind of level he's on. I actually think he's going to do better fighting against better fighters. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely got the advantage on the feet. Um, he's entertaining. He can talk on the mic. I don't know. I think, he, I think he'll be a, a good addition. I mean, I don't know. Like, I can check. I'll look now, too. But uh, I'm curious to know what the odds on that fight. You would think Hermanson's a pretty big favorite. Uh, yeah, I don't know if the odds are further out, out yet, but I will uh, I will certainly look. I would imagine Hermanson's probably at least a 3-1 to one favorite, if I had to guess. Uh, and see. when is the fight? When's the fight booked? December, I believe. Uh, let's see. December, December. No, it's not. I don't think it's up yet. I don't think that the odds for that particular fight are up. I think it's December 5th. Because every other main event is uh, is listed here. It's not a 256. So, uh, yeah, I guess I think it's I think it's December the 5th, but uh, no odds for that one just yet. I just saw they, they put Malcolm as a, my, uh, plus, a plus 270. Are you saying there's Damn. money to be made? Uh, well, in my eyes, yeah. In my biased eyes, of course. Well, you'll yeah. be in Vegas. You can just go, you can go to the book. Sue as a minus 330? Yeah, All right. I'm surprised by that. that. That's actually quite surprising. Yeah, me too. He's I think Sue's one and card. two in the UFC. He's fighting on a really oh, strong yeah. card. I like this card. You got uh, Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. That's a fun one. Blades versus Derek yeah, Lewis in the main event. Uh, I like the uh, uh, Rafael Fiziev against Hanato Moicano. a banger. That's a great fight. So there's a lot of really, uh, really strong ones on this card. Yeah, I get to meet Rachel Ostevich, which would be nice for me. 
And I think Tyson uh, thinks uh, Tyson Chartier is going to be down there. Does he not? Does he not coach uh, Sean Woodson? Uh, Sean Woodson. Does he? Ch- I mean, he's a factory. Act- no, he's a James Krause guy. Sean Woodson. He's oh, with right. James. Sean Woodson is a James yeah. Krause guy. Yeah, and I, I like because we follow each other. I like his style. And he lost his last one, didn't he? He did, but he's but he, wasn't right. he's a, uh, a controversial. I like watching Woodson fight. I mean, James Krause fighter, very intelligent, very tall for the division, uh, just very tricky. Switches stances, makes it really awkward, and. I just like his style, and as soon as I watched his uh, first fight in the UFC, I was like, yeah, I'm going to follow this guy because I think he's going to do – I think he's a tough fight for anyone just based on his size, structure, and frame. Maybe you can uh, shoot him a message. You guys can get some work uh, while, while you're down there. Yeah, I would definitely hit him up while I'm there. He's got a bigger frame. Malcolm could uh, could get some work in with him. That would that would be a good uh, training partner to have. Yeah. He's a lot taller, though. What is he, a welterweight, though? Isn't Woodson a – yeah, uh, no, I don't think What's he's a welterweight. I think he's a, I think he's like a featherweight or something. No, yeah, really? Rosa. Yeah, he's a, he's a featherweight. Fight Kyle Bokniak, 145er. So, Joe, two big fights actually just announced uh, while we're uh, on air, courtesy of uh, ESPN's Brett Okamoto. Uh, one of which is uh, Alistair Overeem taking on Alexander Volkov in February, and the other, Ian Leinish, against Kelvin Gastelum. So two uh, pretty exciting fights in the middleweight and heavyweight division, respectively. Yeah, and Heinish was supposed to be on this last card, I believe, right? He was supposed to face Brendan Allen, and now Brendan Allen's facing your guy, Sean Strickland, this weekend. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, Strickland taking that quick notice fight. I mean, he didn't take much damage in his last fight, but what's that, two weeks notice? Yeah, two weeks. But that's how he rolls, right? He just goes to Starbucks, and he'll fight anybody. That's it. it. Two weeks, two weeks, two days, two hours. Yeah, and, and to have his whole knee blown out and to still do it, I mean, I don't know, just incredible. I mean, I think we it might take him a little while, but... I think he'll be a big threat in the division. He's big, he's strong, like he's technical. I just if his body and his injuries stay up, I think he'll give a lot of people a tough time. So good on him to well, get back and go through all that. Well, he's facing Brandon Allen, who to me is like what Sean Strickland was a couple of years ago. A big up and coming prospect. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes, really good on the ground, improving striking. Uh this is gonna be a really interesting bout because I think we're gonna know a lot about whoever wins and loses this fight. What, uh, Brandon Allen, is he a Denver guy, Factory X? Brandon Allen is a Rufus Sport guy. He trains at Rufus. Rufus Sport, yeah. yes. But okay. he's actually training in yeah, Florida. Right. Right? I think he's actually training at Sanford MMA for this particular camp. Okay. A lot yeah, of the guys I, he, Rufus, he sounded familiar. Yeah, a lot of the guys from Rufus are getting work in, in Sanford. Uh, Brandon Allen, Bilal Muhammad, Jared Gordon moved there. So I think a lot of them are... Uh, are joining Jared Gordon and uh, doing some training there on top of that Rufus sport. So uh, it's nice to see a bit of a partnership between those two gyms. Yeah, I mean, both great strikers too. Like you're going from a Henry Hoof to Duke Rufus. Like, yeah. So it kind of almost works in if you're a, a, a striking-centered fighter. It's, the gym's perfect. Yeah, and you may as well go where the weather's nicer because I'm sure Milwaukee doesn't exactly have the, uh, the best weather at this time of year. Versus, yeah. you know, South Florida, never bad weather. Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I was watching Mike Perry's Instagram just before here. I think he's doing cutting weight outside on the Miami Strip, it looks like. Is or... it Miami or Orlando? Because he's uh, in Orlando. Is it? I don't know. It looked like Miami to me. That, but, uh, what do I know? Yeah, he trains Well, he trains normally in Orlando. Maybe he's in Miami getting some work, but I don't know. He's, uh, he's facing, uh, he's got a new opponent. I can't remember who it is. Uh, his new opponent is, come on, it was just on my mind. I know, I was just thinking about it myself. Uh, oh, Tim Means. That's Tim Means, be, that's yes. That's a fun that's, fight. Whoa, insane fight. That's an insane It's no Robbie Lawler like the original fight that was planned. That I was 
so excited for not, that. Not much different, though. <laughs> when yeah. you think about it, not much different. Tim Means is tough. Tim Means is tough. One of the toughest we have. I mean, but I think, I mean, could he take Perry down? You know, that's that's the big question. I think he'll still stand there and try to, like, take the shot. So, I don't know. It's still a great fight. Fight of the night. Early predictor, for sure. I'm surprised that uh, the UFC are letting Perry fight right now. I mean, his ex, his ex-wife just came out with allegations against him, and it doesn't seem like he's really learned much from uh, whatever anger management class they had him take. Uh, he's he's going online and calling people out on Twitter, like just sending messages to random people who he disagrees with. Like, uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting uh, interesting situation with him because I think that they probably should make some sort of statement or talk about what happened, but it seems like they're just ignoring it altogether. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard much about it. It looked like he got off Instagram for a little bit, but uh, he just right now seems to be promoting his weight cutting, which involved him eating ice cream cones and some crazy stuff. I saw him, and you hear his like his wife in the background as he's eating, like that's not going to help your weight cutting. He's still eating the ice cream cone, so I don't know if he he likes to play the game for the fans. You know, he makes it seem like he's not training, and but. It, I mean, he's a tough, you know, fighter. So I think he's like that Felder. Like, he's got that fight in him, whether he's trained for 10 months or trained for, you know, t- 10 days. Mike Perry's going to come and fight. So I feel like it doesn't the, matter. I feel like the MMA world has just never been weirder than it is right now. Like, it, there, mm-hmm. there was all the stuff around the election. Uh, Diego Sanchez is on uh, Twitter saying that he's seeing UFOs and aliens. There's just all kinds of wacky stuff going on right now. I feel like COVID is making everybody uh, lose their mind a little bit. Uh, yeah. and getting bored and writing all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, I can see that. I'm probably one of those weird people right now from traveling the world every other week and being at home. I haven't been at home for this long since, you know, five years ago before yeah. I started my commentary world. So it's been different. It really hit me this week for some reason. I don't know. This week, if I feel like I'm really feeling not being able to go out and cover these events. I'm starting to really, starting to really oh, yeah. miss it. But, uh, I also know it's just things aren't normal right now. It's like it's we got to just deal with this kind of part of our life, and hopefully things will get back to normal. But it feels like this is the new normal. It's very strange. Well, I mean, even getting back to it, like we got a glory December nineteenth, and I have to call it from New Jersey. Still, it's still like I'm not. I'm still not able. Well, I'm able to go, but my uh, Todd Grisham and my boss Bill Borson, uh, they're not able to make it. So we're still calling it from Jersey. So even though I'm back calling fights, it's like a different feeling like i had you know front row tickets every kickboxing event for the past five the years now world. yeah yeah i'm like oh okay Bader hari's fighting there he is like i've had that experience of seeing the top level so now to call it from a screen i don't know how it's gonna feel if i'm still gonna get those raw emotions like if you see a knockout on tv versus a knockout in front row there's a difference you know, so hopefully it comes out, plays well, and I still get that excitement, the feeling of still doing it live. Because I feel like if I hit the zone, it, it could still be fun. Oh, for sure. Still better I mean, than what I'm doing now. Yeah, you just so. got to just, I mean, you just got to remember that it's live, right? Like, it's not like you're calling a taped program. You got to remember that you're in that moment still. Even though you're yeah. not in the building, it's still, you know, live combat. So you got to just yeah. adjust to that. But it's it's been difficult. I mean, not, not being able to travel and... Uh, and kind of be feel the atmosphere and see a lot of my colleagues and see uh, even the UFC PR team. I, I get along really well with them and I, I miss a lot of them. So it's yeah. been uh, it's been difficult not getting to see a lot of people that I've built really strong relationships with over the last couple of years. And uh, 
you know, they say absence makes the the heart grow fonder, but it feels like I'm never seeing them again. It's it's kind of, kind of got a weird vibe to it. Yeah, I mean, back to my situation, we traveled with the same team, same right. videographers, same bosses, same managers, same production crew, same everything for four years. Like it, they were literally, I saw them more than my family. I saw them more than my my oldest of oldest friends that are in Toronto. And so, I mean, they became my family. And now like I haven't seen Todd in like seeing him every other week for five years. I haven't seen him since what, February? Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it, it, it's really difficult. I think so, yeah. Not even. I think it was January. Yeah. So I have not seen or done anything. The only time I've traveled since that time was just to go to Abu Dhabi for Fight Island. Other than that, the next time we'll be going to Vegas now. So the UFC is the only reason making me leave this country. Yeah, and I'll be ready to get tested 10 times probably in Vegas. I think they want to... They're even they're telling me now I, I think because they we changed their dates but they wanted me to get a COVID test before I even got on the plane to Vegas, so I don't even know how the testing protocol is here. I think you got to book appointment now or something, but uh, so I might soon. still I don't. <laughs> but I don't know this. They they told me to get it saying that they're still thinking I was supposed to leave the twenty fourth, but now leaving earlier I don't I won't have time to because they also expect me to take the test and then quarantine at home for forty eight hours. Oh, sorry, I got to take an extra two days off of my business and my work. Sorry, UFC. Uh, I think my uh, my gym is a little bit more important that I can't take two days off right now. So if you want, you can test me in Vegas. I can't get tested here. So put in my foot now. All right. Well, hopefully they'll let you on that plane, Joe. And they yeah, you me the, too. They'll let you me into the too. facilities. And I can still get corner and everything. But, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to talk to Malcolm's manager. We'll see. All right, Joe. Well, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. I know that a lot of this uh, podcast was uh, turned into a, a bit of a, you know, talk about uh, the current state of the world. But, you know, that's that's what the world we're in right now. So we got to discuss it. Yeah. I feel like we have to. I mean, if it'd be blind not to. I mean, things are shutting down. What are we doing? We can't pretend like it doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, I'm... I'm with you. I just, ho- I just hope that the people that look to uh, get this podcast as an escape feel like they've gotten some form of escapism. But uh, oh, yeah. we're doing what we That's can. It. Obviously, we're all, we're all getting through this together. So uh, thank you for tuning into the TSN MMA Show. We'll be back uh, next week. Uh, hopefully, I'll catch up with you before you go to Vegas, Joe. But if not, you're going to be quarantining probably when you're in Vegas anyway. When do you, when do you land there? Wednesday? Uh, I get there Wednesday, but uh, I don't think we get to the hotel until the following Tuesday. Uh, so I leave Wednesday, and I think we check into fight week on the following Tuesday. So uh, I'll be training mostly at the mansion we're staying at, which is pretty exciting, um, and probably between Syndicate and Extreme Couture. But oh, we're staying in really okay. small bubbles. Yeah, the mansion I'm staying at, you know, just casually drive. Yeah, I know. I'll yeah, drive my Ferrari excited. to the mansion, and we'll, we'll just uh, we'll I don't know about that. It's not my mansion. I'm staying in someone else's, so I can't be that excited. Yeah, well, if it was my mansion, I'd be a little bit more excited. But uh, no, not mine. Well, maybe go look for one while you're out there. The, the real estate in Nevada is uh, quite cheap compared to here in Toronto. Yeah, there you go. Sell my condo here. Probably same price. Buy the house out there. There you go. All right, Joe. Well, we'll catch up with you next week. Uh, safe travels if we don't uh, catch up before you take off. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. And uh, this has been the TSN MMA Show.